Hey, it's Lou and welcome back to Shade Shorts on Film. Before we get into today's conversation, and I want to talk about listener support. Shade is an independent show, a valuable archive of conversations with black art practitioners created for reference, research and your enjoyment. Your support is super important to this work continuing. So if you're able to show the love for this show and pay it forward so it stays free for all listeners, please go to either the Patreon or PayPal donation link in the podcast description. The aim is to keep this rich archive free of charge, which is really important. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, let's go to the conversation. Today my guest is the photographer and filmmaker Jermaine Francis. His practice works within documentary and portraiture in the format of personal driven photo projects and editorials, exploring the issues that arise from our interaction in the everyday environment. He's published two books, Something That Seems So Familiar in 2020 and in 2021, Rhythms from the Metroplex, and he's currently working on a new book with the publishers here press. His work can be found in publications such as ID, 10 Magazine and the Wall Street Journal. And Jermaine has exhibited his work at the Gallery PCP in Paris, Photo London and Saatchi, just to name a few. And today Jermaine and I discuss his recent film, Lost in Music, a post-industrial dreamscape, an exploration of race and politics within a dance floor context. I really loved talking with Jermaine. Our conversation on and off air was super enriching and I hope that you enjoy his words on race, class, politics and his rich creative life as much as I did. We went a little over time because, well, I could have talked to Jermaine all day. But here we go. Here's the edited version. Enjoy my chat with Jermaine Francis. For this piece, you presented a documentary-style vision of the post-industrial black experience, the the kind of focus on hyper-productivity. Um, I was getting the feeling of, you know, bodies as capital generating, um, capital generating tools, you know, political tools, which is completely at odds with the thriving dancing embodiment of um, of our community and it was almost as if the messaging put on our being is at odds with what we're kind of searching for or living for on the dance floor. But it was really powerful. Can you talk us through the work, the ideas that you were exploring and specifically the audio presented alongside uh, as part of the film? Or we'll go on to the visuals later. Yeah, I mean, the, those inter- those readings are there in the work. I mean, the work isn't a didactic piece of work so I've deliberately made it but it's layered and that you have um you know that those readings you have are correct you know it's also also about class Mm. um you know Natalie Ola gave a really good description of it when she wrote to me and she said it was like a scrap heap format of uh it's like you're going for a sense of wading through the ruins of a visually saturated culture which never be deciphered from vested interest and you know we formulate and we're also formulated by the spectacle and we can only and and it's this fleeting world beyond it and we see glimpses and you know the past informing the the present um 
And, she, and what was interesting, she said, like, where there was actually a place where actual politics once took place. So it is dealing with what you've said, these things are things in, and, and, and around that idea of, like you said, the dance floor itself and maybe hedonism or all or, or those things. It's also a sense of, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of hauntology in there and, you know, people don't know what hauntology is. It, it comes from Derrida's sort of play on the word ontology. Um, and it's had a, a lot of hauntology reared its head a lot because of Mark Fisher and um who was a goldsmiths and was a was a lecturer writer thinker who who died years ago um and what i took from the hauntology when reading derrida's because it comes from jacques derrida's specters of marx was when he talks about it's not the ghost it's the spirits of the ghosts that basically haunt marx in his critique of it and it's this this conversation about marx and I thought about that as well and what Fisher was saying and, and, and I was thinking in my own sort of relationship in the sense of, in terms of, let's say, for example, politics, post-industrialism, which is where we're at, basically. All those things have come from that, but also the, the policies and the ideologies, these ideas that are constantly re, being brought and resurfaced I like these guys from past, like, you know, for example, Rivers of Blood by Enoch Powell. You know, I come from the West Midlands, you know, and Enoch Powell, you know, I think like it's not the ghost of Enoch Powell that haunts us, it's the spirits of that of that Rivers of Blood speech, mm. which we can see echoed in politics on the use of immigration, of nationalism, of national identity and who belongs who who truly belong and what that representation means and then you know in a sense of post-industrialism in a sense of like what happened and where we're at and the death of industry and and that loss in some ways of working class kind of direct sort of influence and power you know and, and and you know an insecurity in the future you know all those things they're all interrelated and, and it, they're not separate and in terms of you know intersectionality so there is that there was also the sense of like it's almost like a dream so like the policies of that i guess you know like thatcher is 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 you know with the toy party's hauntology the spirit of thatcher haunts this country as well as 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 um politics um as much as anything else especially in recent years you can you can see it so it's supposed to be quite a layered and complicated visual piece that's mm -hmm. not giving you a simple it, it's like a conduit for um a dialogue that's that's dialectical if that's mm -hmm. makes sense yeah it, you know, it's the kind of piece that reverberates like within your body as you're watching it. And I just thought that that was really interesting. So it's these big ideas, but it is very intimate um, in its impact. And I just wondered how the process was for you personally. Well, I mean, all my work is interested in, you know, even, you know, I work with a, a photography or maybe people say lens based medium. I, I'm always interested in the image, but I, now, one of the things I've always been interested in is, you know, this idea, the idea of a sublime and the idea of a sublime does come from a certain kind of 
position, you know, Kant and, and Burke and people like that, which is very much negates gender and race and, and, and class politics in order to get to a sensation. And I've always thought about image. Some of the images are a word that always affected me has always been about something that's sensory. And what I wanted to do is I'm always thinking about the psychological aspects of, of race. We always see the physical aspects very much so presented to us. But for me, it's about or the, so the psychological. So it's like the sense of negotiating your space or mm. walking into a, a shop and you may well be followed and how that psychologically affects you. So, you know, it, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm very much interested in that sense of the sensory and, and the sound and the, and the soundtrack was was playing on the, 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 the sounds and the hypnotic rhythms that you had on the dance floor or on a particular dance floor. Mm. Uh, but also, you know, it reflects to kind of like science fiction, Afrofuturism and those things like, you know, with Lee Scratch Perry in the arc and, and dub and, 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 and spatial oscillation and how that can, the idea in order to, you know, like with Drexian, you know, the idea of sort of being able to step out into an alternative space in order to try and make a, a, a comment or create a dialogue or critique. And I wanted that to do that. I wanted it to be slightly uncomfortable. I wanted it to be jarring and slightly kind of disruptive because I think the periods we're living in, especially at the moment, are like that, you know, with the internet and information and scrolling. We have a, as Natalie said, it's like this wasteland of, of information. And we can't quite sometimes grasp it properly. I feel like we're searching for it. And it, I was thinking about this idea. It feels like I'm living in a dream sometimes. Mm. I'm being told, you know, everyone's being told that they're going to have social mobility. They're all being told that the future is bright and you can have, and when in reality, you know, many, we're going through a period where the generations before us had it better. Our parents had it better that, idea that is that is going to some extent in 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 neoliberal terms you know that's that's what we've been living in and then in terms of race i wanted to have this kind of idea of a laying and talking about history and about what's gone on you know from also from a personal point of view and i grew up in a west midlands very working class area it's multicultural um, place. I grew up in a black country, which was very much more white working class with a lot of Southern Asian and, and if you black families. And, you know, I was talking about this idea of belonging and legacy and, um, you know, and, and when you look at politics and when you look at the, there's a really amazing archive footage of Michael Manley, the form, former Jamaican prime minister, Talking about Britain in the sixties, late sixties, he was saying that things are, you know, that the that there are always problems, there's always issues, but it's when politicians use language to present, you know, this position when their policies are under threat or their policies aren't working, then you see this real explosion. And so, you know, and it's the same thing Stuart Hall's talking about, you know, when you're talking about representation or representation, you know, you have this kind of 
you know, production of meaning or symbolic activity. And like, you know, what you said, Lou, before you saw this thing as the body as a form of production and capital, you know, in the sense of the dance floor and our bodies and also what we're doing and feeling, but the reality outside and what goes on the dance floor. And, you know, I was thinking about that sense of hedonism and especially in the late 80s and 90s of, you know, Acid House and Rave, where there was this kind of period of utopist kind of ideas of maybe we just didn't want to have how it was before. Um, but then what was the political reality after that? Um, and so, you know, it, it's trying to sort of kind of, I don't know the word for it, take us on a journey through that to some extent and some of those ideas. And I, and I think work is really about or artwork or film, visual imagery is about in some ways creating a, a discussion and a dialogue. I don't think it can give the answers and I'm not sure it can really change the world in that in in that kind of utopian humanist sense but I think it can lead to a discussion and I think that's what the work was 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 really always trying to do and use aesthetics as well which I think for me is always interesting and and the sublime is something that I think about the lot the idea of, of a sensation of a feeling and what is that for a, a, a person who is of a minority and that could be you know race or gender and class as well you know because we that seems to be the elephant in the room you know that the minorities in this country make up a, a, a large amount of the working working class demographic what what does that feel like that sensation and, and that and, and that's why there are those shifts in sound in music and playing with that thing and melodies and things like that. Mm. You, you mentioned the conversation that kind of um, is created from, from pieces like this, and you recently presented Lost in Music at the Camden Art Centre um, as part of a, a, a conversation. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, who uh, you had there to present the piece with you, um, and how the ideas in their work met yours as you were presenting the piece? You know, Natalie Ola and Eddie, who had been having these conversations with anyway. I first met Natalie, I first discovered Natalie's writing, and I thought her writing was really brilliant and really interesting in terms of, of talking about cla class in a very, very multi layered, nuanced way. Um, and, and the way that she, she could piece things together, which I could, I could basically connect with. And Natalie had written a piece. Um, to accompany a story I did for ID magazine a few years ago and it was a brilliant piece that she wrote and it was a sort of a, a reflection of and talking about race and identity and nationalism and who belongs and those demons which had always been there and definitely reared their heads during Brexit and Eddie you know, and I had talked about similar things and we talked about growing up in, in Britain and race and, and class demographics. And also he's a brilliant photographer and he's also a brilliant curator. So it was it was great to have these conversations and, and also Eddie had been involved with drum and bass and music. And so we talked about dub and, you know, I remember reading Kodo Eshin's more brilliant than the sun, you know, adventures in sonic fiction and thinking about, 
all these ideas. So I thought they'd be perfect people to bring together to have a conversation about ideas around the film and ideas we've been thinking about. Um, Natalie and I have a connection. We're both from the West Midlands. Family members and bows and generations had worked at sort of Leyland or GM Motors. That disappeared. And how, you know, obviously her family will be will be sort of white. Mine will be black, Afro-Caribbean, Jamaican in descent. But those same economic disruptions or issues that happen when you lose an industry from an area, they affected, they would affect us both. And the reason, you know, I brought that up is because in political terms and in media terms, working class is talked about very much for a white indigenous position when the working classes are a accumulation of different groups economically. Mm. And so it's an interesting thing to think about Fred Hampton, the way he talks about, you know, working with race and class and political issues. You know, there are sim. There will be those issues involved in 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 employment, housing, but obviously race comes into it, and then how that is used politically to um for nefarious means, and how then race affects the minorities and the and the demographics in those working class areas, and so. You know, that was really interesting to intersect and have those conversations also with Eddie as well with the same conversations. So I thought it was a really good way of creating a, a rich dialogue from this film with the audience as well. And there were, the audience participated and we talked about all those things. So for me, it was a really great way of how imagery can then lead to some kind of conversation in a space. Um, and, and that space may be, you know, in some ways, you may be speaking to the converted as well, which also is a problem. Yeah. be speaking to a wider demographic. So, um, yeah, that's how Natalie and Eddie came to be this in this conversation, in this talk. But they, Eddie and Natalie are in this conversation anyway because it's about them as well. And I was like thinking about the the visual impact of the piece, and this is not a comparison in, in by any stretch of the imagination. But my thoughts when I was seeing some of the images went straight to Mark Leckie, Fear Ruchi Made Me Hardcore, and its resonance. You know, it's just like it's just very impactful. And um, and your piece reminded me of um. 90s rave visuals these were the visuals that when we were there in fields intense these were the similar kind of visuals or of a similar sentiment that were playing as we were at the raves that was what was shown behind the dj and so all of that was kind of going through my consciousness as i was as i was viewing your piece and and you know and that was thatcher time and and post thatcher time and me and my peers were questioning our positioning as you know these seemingly free living loving humans but it was at a time of increasing political disintegration tech and industrialism where we didn't really know where it was going to take us and looking at your piece as kind of made me think back but then again forward and think god well this is where it has taken us and so that was a very interesting kind of 
process timeline process that I went through when I was watching it um and I love that when I was thinking of this and then there, there was a there was a smiley face like that came up <laughs> at the end of your film I was like I can't yeah. believe it very distorted smiley face with blood with <laughs> a really ominous sound I think yeah I mean look I have no problems with that reference point of Mark Leckie because we all we all saw Fury Tree's Heart Hardcore and it's a great piece of work. And I think also, I think Jeremy Della's documentary was really great because what I think, you know, Mark with that piece of work, I think is brilliant. It, 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 for me, that's like sublime as, you know, if you talk about the sublime, I think that definitely has that in that quality in there. And you know, I, I, Jeremy Della's sort of document, you know, piece was was amazing because what he did was he he showed the political and social and cultural aspects behind a lot about what happened and why it happened, and it's like a, a history of Britain mm. and where you know, like he said about um, um, I think I think it's Greg Wilson DJ talked about well, black kids were dancing to house music in the early eighties before. Yeah. That that period of time, which is called, you know, the, the that acid house, some yeah. of love, and talking about Detroit, and you know, I always love Detroit techno, and I always had a weird affiliation to it, but not affiliation, a weird connection to it, because Birmingham was the Motor City as well, yes, and and that has died in much later years. So I, I understood about the car and a car, a sense of having, you know transportation and 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 also you know there was these things I've been thinking about the canal you know why grip were a lot of canals and they were the main transportation points and then they died and it yeah. went to rail and, and and motorways and so I think also there's a, there's a thing also that I have is like although I'm from that period of going out and it there is nostalgia but I also think there's also a slight bit of cynicism as well but I have <laughs> having that nostalgia because I think melancholy is is an interesting idea and concept and I think melancholy especially English melancholy has been a problem in the sense of that's what Britain has veered back to in mm. a sense of trying to attain this greatness of power you know this this loss of power I mean that is that is a melancholy mm. so I think about that a lot in terms of what does that mean you know, um, and how can that affect things? You know, you know, Ghosts of My Life, you know, Mark Fisher's book, um, Writings on Depression, Hauntology, Lost Futures. You know, it's great essays about, you know, right, this, it was quite funny. It did remind me of like this nostalgia of old ravers going to places where they used to rave and like, oh, how, it gives you, how good it used to be and whatever and, and that's why you know I, I bring up those things but it's also a really interesting thing that you know Della talks about it and it's, it is an interesting point you have post-industrialism you have the loss of factories and you have warehouses and those where and, and those places were a site of production and what happens is is then you have these spaces then taken over by um, ravers you know DJs and parties appear and what happens is, is that you have this kind of sense of um, regeneration or, or, or creativity in those spaces. But then those, you know, dance music and those things now become another form of production, production, and they've become entertainment. What I think is also interesting that, and they've become like a commodity, you know, the, the Joe Smooth 
and the Style Council clip, um, um, Promised Land. You know, I remember a lot of people not knowing the Joe Smooth version and knowing the Style Council version and how that was amplified. And, you know, they've replicated the imagery of like gospel and, you know, all that kind of thing. But it came from Chicago, from Joe Smooth, the original version. Mm. And it was interesting to talk about those politics of music as well and capital of music, how some people argue about, you know, black culture not being acknowledged in its influence on certain people or, or an absence, probably is the word I'd use, an, ab, an, an absence. So I thought that was quite, that, that was interesting as well in those terms. But also those spaces which were clubs or warehouses have now become the ultimate assets and commodity, which is housing, real estate. So the Hacienda became apartments. Um, Printworks is going to become apartments. Mm. Now, Printworks was the, you know, I think it was the printing press, I can't remember for the evening standards or like, but that was a, a site of, of, of production, you know, industrial production old way of production then it became you know a disused warehouse then it's become like a place of entertainment and, and, and parties and, and clubbing another commodity and it also uses those myths of the past which were associated when the early party goers or ravers or, 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 or people going out to acid house parties they use that sense of freedom and mythology and imagery to sell those spaces now. And even, you know, it was funny, we were talking to some people from Manchester, the history and the imagery of the Hacienda Club is used as a part of branding to sell the clubs themselves. Yeah. Sell the um, apartments themselves, yeah. the housing themselves. So it's sort of looking at that kind of thing and housing is a massive thing in, in politics. When you listen to politicians, when they're selling their manifestos, you're guaranteed housing is going to be in there. And we heard Keir Starmer doing it the other day, but, you know, funny enough, talking about Tories are not the, the party of, of, of housing, of building housing. We need new housing and social mobility with housing and cheaper. But we're going to, we're, we're going to build on Greenbelt land. Mm. Now, yes, I understand that, but you can see there's a political rhetoric going on. You're going to build on Greenbelt land, but some of that Greenbelt land you're saying, but you're saying you've got a kind of um, manifesto that's also looking at, um, you know, eco and conservation and climate. So you can see the power of house building as a symbol of political rhetoric or a symbol of sort of social mobility and capitalism to own your own house, especially if you're working classes. It's a massive thing, you know. You know, my mother appears in the film. She's the nurse. Um, and she appears next to the... She appears in two parts. She appears as the young immigrant, girl with her sister, my auntie, and she appears as the nurse. The NHS is a really big, another symbol of political kind of strategy and rhetoric. Um, but you know, without my mother's generation of ner of, of of migrant or immigrant ner immigrant nurses, the NHS would have fell. Say, my father, his first job was, uh, yeah, NHS when he yeah came over from Ghana and 
I, my mind was just going to what you were saying about Joe, Joe Smooth and Style Council. I must have been living under a rock. I had no idea that Style Council even did a version of Promise Land. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah it, was, it was big. I, had, I, I, I don't know what I was listening to then, but I only know the Joe, um, the Joe Smooth version. And um, that was what was played at the end of every night. And I just oh. feel like, yeah, that is just... Yeah, but the mainstream popular version with a lot of, was on top of the pops was... Style Council. Okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and listen to that. Obviously, that was just blanked out of my consciousness because I was not taking it in. I had no idea. Now, this chat's been about film because this is the film series. But I know your photography work pretty well. You're a documentary portrait photographer, personal driven photo projects and editorials for the likes of ID, like you mentioned earlier, Ten Magazine. Uh, you've you've been published in the Wall Street Journal. And you have commercial clients too. Um, but I'd love to sort of round up by hearing about where your head is at now in terms of your image making, where your head's at in terms of the influences are coming in, what's inspiring you or, or, or where you are in your rich creative life at the moment. And then I also want to round up by just thinking about um, how young Jermaine would look at what you're creating now and where you're creating and how you're creating well, I mean, you know, I sit in many different camps and, you know, one of the, you know, sometimes I, I lecture at uh, Royal College of Art on the architecture course and media studies and, and David Burns, you know, the really, who's the head of the course and I think is a really, really interesting man, you know, talked about ideas of distribution. It's true, you know, what I look at when I make work are, ide are spaces of distribution. So mm. whether it's a magazine, whether it's a book, whether it's a gallery, you know, exhibitions I'm doing, they are different or, the, or the, the film, there are different spaces of, of distribution. You know, when I make an editorial and I'm lucky with ID that I get to explore, that Alistair allows me to have the space or gives me the space to explore, you know, like Lost in Music came from an, originally from Thoughts I was having, but also from a project I did in ID. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I also have like, you know, I was allowed to make a, a project as well by Kay Kerbiot for Boy Brother Friend, which is a really, really interesting magazine about the death of the Queen. Um, but then, you know, I'll make a book or, you know, I'm exhibiting a lot at the moment. I just finished a, a work at Oxford and I had a show in Paris end of last year and I'm going to be showing at the Saatchi and the Centre of British Photography. And, and Lost in Music Post-Industrial Dreamscape will be a show with the gallery that I have in Paris, Gallery P PCP, at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, I'm always, you know, at the moment, I'm really, I've always thought about space. And I mean that in the terms of physical and psychological and how we negotiate that and how we, we work within that. Um, and so, you know, the latest work I've been working on has been about the absence of the black figure in the pastoral landscape, which is something mm -hmm. I always thought about. And I had, I, it was one of my main interrogations when I was at Derby University where I studied photography back in the 90s. The work's always had a political undertone because I think I've and it may not be overt at times it may be just about the aesthetics might be whatever there's always things there and like I made a, a project uh, an exhibition which was called A Storied Ground mm. which is sort of refers to Paul Redmond's book about how Britain's national identity is created and it was about the black figure in the landscape and 
it was also about black identity and people who were black who would class themselves as alternative and what that can mean and trying to I'm always against trying to present cultures as as monocultures nationalism does that it likes to present groups of people or identities as, as mono especially in the arts and sometimes like that aesthetics get picked which present black identities is is very simplistic or or very mono mono the sweet fly paper of life by langston hughes and and roy de carava is an interesting book because in, in some ways i think it's what a lot is missed in that book but langston is saying that black people can be bad as well but we're not all bad but we can be bad there are bad people and that is fine because we are human and we should be allowed to have that right and we should be have that right like everybody else is allowed without being demonized as a as, as a as a race um as the same as you know james baldwin talks about i'm in i'm not your negro like you know the complications that he has being a black homosexual man and what he's fighting for in terms of race may not align with martin luther king's group in some ways about moral christian values or you know nation of islam and the way that they look at it that's what i'm saying you know it, things aren't simple and complicated and you know i wanted to do that with a storied ground and a new work which i'd worked with oxford pembroke college jcr part of the oxford photo festival a pleasant land is a you know it's about the absence of black figures not just in landscape but in history mm. metaphorically and you know but also figures that may have been people don't know about who were against national colonialism and slavery and his absence of the black figure in the pastoral, which is really late. You know, the pastoral is like one of the last bastions that you could say of national of English nationalism in the way that it presents Britain as a pleasant land and a wash away from politics. And the sublime is a lot to do with that as well. You know, it, it does remove the idea of gender and race and class in order to get to a point of a kind of narrow, a pure beauty or particular aesthetic. So, you know, those things have always interested me those things of where I am at in, in the way I make work and visual things um and I just co-curated a show with Emma Balkit for Peckham 24 Emma asked and, and Viv with I it was about body language and they asked would you make a show about the black male body and that was the same approach that I took you know um the Stuart Hall essay of ethnicities was a really great framework to work from um, to think about those things and about instead of having something that was literal and didactic to talk about the psychological and have not the body the, the body as uh, like you said in Lost in Music the same thing the body is a kind of like framework um, but not the center of it's a part of something mm. um hence why i had and and in the end we talked about the black atlantic and, and the american the, the the not american sorry the united states um black experience and the british black experience and trying to talk about joy trauma you know um pain love carter small for example pda love about you know, home, queer love. Yeah. 
but but queer love as and in relationships terms, not placed as some fetishized sexual kind yeah. of thing a lot of time, but relationships and intimacy and mm. you know um, Andrew Jackson's work on handswork and, and and class and, and and economics to like Kian's the you know black urban cowboys beautiful piece of work really you know really really beautiful and tender and plays with that idea of the iconography the american dream the landscape and then ryan prince's beautiful work about you know 100 days in, in therapy and about that's positive and you know a lot of people men and especially you know and, and black men you know breaking that kind of hyper masculinity that's been placed on 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 the male figure of Armani really it's a parallel road and yeah. it was just really great you know Dexter McLean you know about disability you know the absence of when we talk about race we don't talk about disability yeah. it's not included and then Carl Lahiri's brilliant work you know I thought and, and George Dyer's Muffa you know both for you know they're taking a much more didactic thing about the body but George's beautiful piece that's about the layers and 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 fracturing and 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 it's celebrating the characteristics that have been demonized and brushed away and Carl's brilliant sort of um it, and humor you know in that pain we have we have a lot of humor and and, and laughter and you know Carl Lahiri's brilliant piece which was a you know a it's a pastiche and it's a of the Mapplethorpe image of the Oh yes, yes. You know, and it's it's he's it's titled "Me Me with a Black Burnt Banana." Yeah, like you know, it's like Dada, and it's 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 brilliant <laughs> in art aesthetic terms as well. But yeah, but hilarious, you know, because it is ridiculous in yeah. the in the day the stereotype. And then John Henry's Stranger Fruits, you know, which is which is tragic, and it's about the fear of of something that could possibly happen. That's so important because quite often when we talk about the black experience or the positioning of of, of um, our bodies within society, you know, it's either you know with a focus on the cliche of um, exceptionalism, mm-hmm. right, um, or um, or trauma. It's like it's just two extremes, and you yeah. know those those nuances are uh, quite often uh, ignored. I just want to. I want you to let the uh, the listeners know where they are able to view Lost in Music before we head off, or where they can find um, some more of your work, Jermaine. You've got books, you know. Uh, um, where can they find your work? I mean, Lost in Music. I've sort of we, that is going to be shown with Gallery PCP at the end of the year as part of an installation, but I will present it before that online short like maybe as a 24-hour thing i just need to sit down and think about it. and when that's the people will know but right. it's, i've only just sort of finished it and just finished the show but i will will do that um and then i'm showing rhythms from the metroplex which is a book as part of bill ewing civilization show it's the Saatchi, which opens on the 2nd of june and then a storied ground will appear uh, in a group show at the Centre of British Photography, I think from the first week of June as well. So if people want to see that, they can go and see the work there. Um, some of the works online on my website, um, and there'll be other stuff. Oxford will probably be something 
the, the pleasant land is and there's loads of things in projects so they're slowly appearing another book as well in the next year but um just to answer that question where would Jermaine would where would a young what was the question where would what would Jermaine, a young Jermaine Francis be thinking if yes. he's about this rich creative life of communication and visual communication that you're living now what would a, a young Jermaine like how would a young Jermaine view or think of where you are and what you're doing I don't think he would actually have believed it. Really? No, I don't think he did. I don't think he would have believed it. I think he would have thought. He would have thought, "Wow, I wish more kids could see that you could." Well, maybe if he saw how difficult it'd been, maybe he'd go, "I might give that a swerve." (laughs) 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 To be honest, he might have gone. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think he might want to think. He might not go that route. But I think he'd probably be like, well, he he was all right in the end, wasn't it, to some extent? So, yeah. yeah. It's important to hold that sentiment dear, you know, when we're going through it. Yeah, it's important. I think he would be a bit like, yeah, he did all right in the end. He wasn't that bad. Yeah, he did all right. He did all right. He's doing all right. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jermaine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for, like, asking me, you know, to be on the podcast. You know, I feel very lucky that you know you get to talk and as loads of people know I talk a lot it's probably doing some service health checks <laughs> <laughs>